I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players, and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. Hello, Flyers fans, and welcome to what um, I am considering uh, the apex of our um, little chatting with the enemy um, previews that we're doing, because I am being joined by uh, the one, the only, the incredibly awesome, down goes Brown, Sean McIndoe. Uh, Sean, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? Right on. I'm, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, so we'll get right into it. Um, I personally have always found a kinship with Leafs fans. Um, I think back to something that you wrote about 100 years ago about the 10 types of Leafs fans. Um, and I remember reading that and thinking to myself that you could just plop flyers everywhere that you wrote Leafs and you'd have the same 10 types of fans. Um, we both follow teams that disappoint us constantly and continue to break our hearts, but we stick with them. Um, you think there's something to that? Are we hockey best friends, us and Leafs fans? Yeah. I, I, th- I think we're right up there. It probably depends a little bit on, on the age of, of the Leaf fan, because I think a lot of us sort of, we start the clock whenever we kind of came online as a fan, and anyone who has not won a cup since then is one of us, and uh, anyone who has is, is not. And uh, you guys obviously had the, those two cups in the mid-'70s, so certain Leaf fans of a certain generation might not quite uh, put you in the same group as the Blues, the... Sabers, the Canucks, those sorts of teams, but yeah. uh, I think I think most would, and and we're not going to get too picky because that group's thinned out a lot over the years. Like we used to have the Blackhawks in there too. We used to have the Kings, and and then uh, they all started winning and, and bailing on us. So uh, we're kind of we we can't be too picky. So yeah, we'll we'll let you into the uh, <laughs> into the set little club. All right, yeah, misery loves company. We got to stick together until one of our teams does something. <laughs> um, okay, so at Broad Street Hockey, we have been spending a lot of time over the last. Uh, season, um, trying to figure out why Dave Hackstall makes some of the lineup decisions that he makes. Um, you know, he puts Travis Konechny in the press box, which is a bit confusing. He sits Shane Gostisbehere for a couple of games. Um, Sam Moran was sent back to the AHL at the start of the season, which we didn't really care for. Um, but then I look at you guys, and you guys have, I mean, arguably the best coach in hockey. And he does things like put uh, Mitch Marner on the fourth line. So, um, are all coaches just bad? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't think they're they're bad. And, and like you say, I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of Mike Babcock. I think the work he's done so far in Toronto is he's he's gone. He's exceeded even the ridiculously high expectations that, that people had with him coming in. But he is still an NHL coach, and it, it seems to be almost a universal thing that coaches just, they they have this this thing, especially with young players. Anyone who's young, anyone who's unproven, uh, they, they seem to be very nervous about trusting, especially in today's game where it's, it's so coached and so structured and everything's a system that, you know, having it, it the, the worst possible thing you can do in the NHL these days is make a mistake. Uh, in the eyes of coaching, they, they would rather see you do nothing at all and, and be a complete non-factor than to to potentially 
make a mistake that uh, that's going to wind up in your own net. So we see that in, in Toronto with with uh, you know Mitch Marner getting getting pushed down the lineup, and you know Mitch Marner wasn't really producing all that much, and maybe this is this is one of those wake up calls. But Mike Babcock is a guy like a lot of coaches. He seems to have this certain veteran players that he trusts, and if you're a young guy trying to squeeze into the lineup ahead of those guys, you've got a a real tough job ahead of you. Like, you know, in, in Matt Martin will have a spot on the Maple Leafs fourth line forever. He, he is, I mean, the Leafs could go, the Leafs could acquire five new forwards tonight and, and reshuffle all their lines. And Matt Martin would still be on that fourth line because Mike Babcock just loves this guy. Um, Roman Pollock being another one, right? Like just, just brought back, just resigned where you know, he was a guy that, uh, you know, whatever the analytics might say, whatever you might notice when you're watching as a fan, Mike Babcock trusts this guy and he wants him there on that third pair. Uh, he wants him on that second penalty kill and he would rather have, you know, Roman Polag is a guy that, you know, and, and Matt Martin is a guy that you know what you're getting and you know what the floor is and you know what the ceiling is and then there's not a wide range of expectations and that is a comfort zone, I think, for, for a lot of coaches, even above and beyond a younger player who might have a much higher ceiling, but, um, you know, the, you, you're, you've got to worry about what they might do from shift to shift. And, you know, the thing with Mike Babcock, the, the running joke with some Leaf fans, and I'm sure it applies to just about every coach, is he's got his security blankets that he just, he wants to have those one or two guys in the lineup and they will be there forever no matter no matter what the numbers say or no matter what the fans say. Um, the good news is, from a Leafs perspective, we're talking about, fourth line and third pairing guys and, yeah. and not guys getting getting put in the uh, you know in, in more prominent spots so i think if that's the trade-off that you have to take if if it is a negative then you take that and uh, you take the rest of the good that mike babcock brings and, uh, and and you don't complain too much yeah he's uh he's pretty good <laughs> he's all right it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to argue with the last couple of seasons of of the Maple Leafs um, after he was brought in. So I am glad you brought up Polak because I was interested. I mean, I I found it interesting that they brought him back um, because it seemed like they definitely weren't going to. And I like what you said um, about coaches having their favorites. Um, I like to refer to them as their pets. (laughs) Like Dave Haxtell had Chris Vandevelde um, and Pierre Edward Belmar last season who couldn't do any wrong. They were never coming out of the lineup. And this year we have Andrew McDonald on the blue line, who um, seems to be a favorite of the coach for reasons that we can't really wrap our heads around. But uh, the difference is for us that he's a first pairing defenseman in Dave Haxall's eyes and not not on the third pair in the penalty kill. So I guess you're right. They all just have their their favorites and there's nothing we can really. Yeah. yeah. No yeah, amount of I mean, analyzing they, the numbers is going to make it. And, and I mean, the other thing is, you know, when you get to guys, you know, maybe an Andrew McDonald, there's also the, you know, the, the contract shouldn't weigh into it. But when the GM has gone and given a guy big dollars as a coach, especially if you're a, you know, a guy like Dave Haxtell, who, who maybe doesn't have, uh, certainly doesn't have as much job security as Mike Babcock because yeah. nobody has as much job security <laughs> as Mike Babcock. But maybe you know you, you're in your first job. You don't necessarily want to go in there and, and show up the GM by uh, by benching his his five million dollar signing. So um, you know even 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 if it wasn't a Ron Hextel signing, it's still you know you're yeah. potentially making the the front office uh, look bad. So I don't know if that plays a role. Uh, you know, I, I, the thing with Roman Pollock is if if you put aside. Put aside the analytics and even just put aside the winning and losing. It just as a 
as a story, it's a great story. It I is mean, actually. Here's, yeah. Here's this this veteran guy. He breaks his leg horrifically in the playoffs. A lot of people looked at that and kind of went, "That that might be it for this guy. Like this 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 guy may that that, that might be done. Like you might have just seen an NHL career end." And uh, he goes through the summer, doesn't doesn't get a, an offer from anyone. Comes into the Leafs camp on a on a tryout, doesn't get the job. Uh, is allowed to kind of stick around and and. Obviously, now is at a point physically where he's he's ready to go, and uh, where the Leafs felt there there was a hole there, and uh, you know there this this isn't a guy that should be playing first pairing minutes, but you know just just from a from a human perspective, seeing him stick around on that third pair and, and make a contribution would be would be kind of cool to see. Yeah, I always kind of liked him anyway, but I have a thing for scrappy defensemen. I mean, you know, not the most skilled guy, but always you know, gives 110%, as they say, on the ice every yep. night. It's, it's fun. It's nice to have that kind of guy on your team. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys have a ton, obviously, of super exciting players. Um, I always joke that I want the Flyers to go full Leafs and just unleash all of their exciting rookies and see what happens. Um, so it's been fun watching that happen up in Toronto. Um, so we know who we're going to watch. We're going to watch Matthews. We're going to watch Marner. We're going to watch Nylander. Um, who would you say is somebody that's under the radar that Flyers should keep an eye on? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't... There's a part of me that thinks that there's no such thing as an under-the-radar Toronto Maple Leaf, just because they get, they get so much attention yeah. everywhere, especially up here in Canada. But, uh, you know, one guy to, to, to keep an eye on would be Connor Brown, for example. This this was another... This was kind of the fourth rookie from, from last year. And this is a guy who comes up, and he scores 20 goals as a rookie, uh, you know, while playing on on all different lines, uh, killing penalties, you know that sort of thing. For in most places, that would be a big story, but of course, he gets overshadowed by the the big three, and uh, you know, maybe maybe to this day, still is. He's a guy that you know he had been on that fourth line before Mitch Marner got uh, got got put down there, and um, you know, isn't isn't a guy who plays way up high in the lineup and and gets a lot of opportunity to shine, but he's, he makes the most of it. And he's one of those kind of good, honest players that you sort of need. If you're going to build a winner, you, you obviously you want to have the, the top tier talent guys, but you also need to have those, uh, you know, I wouldn't even call him a depth guy, but sort of those second tier guys that, uh, you know, and, and he signed a contract that was, that was pretty, pretty reasonable. So he's, he's locked in for the next few years. So, you know, he, he'd be one guy I'd, I'd, I'd mention. And the, the other thing, the other piece of advice I always give fans of other teams who are, you know, maybe hearing about the Leafs but don't get a chance to watch them all that much, and you sit down and watch them, and it's it's not an under the radar guy because you mentioned him already, um, but William Nylander is a better player than you think he is. I can almost promise you that you know, they're, they're like there's this perception of the Leafs that, that when you look at the young guys, that it's it's Austin Matthews all alone in the top tier, and then you sort of got the the other guys supporting him. I, I'll tell you, as often as not, when you watch this team, William Nylander is, is just as good, if not better, than Austin Matthews, night yeah. in and night out, yeah. like game to game. I'm not saying he's a better prospect, obviously. Mm-hmm. He's two years older. You look at the things Austin Matthews can do. This this is a guy who's going to be a, an MVP candidate in this league very soon if he's not already. And I, I'm not saying Nylander's going to get to that level, but you know, there's been a lot of comparison with what the Leafs are doing to to what the Blackhawks did, and you know, it's kind of like Matthews and Marner are, are supposed to be that Taves and Kane. Mm. Uh, and if if that's the case, then then Nylander is kind of the the Marion Hosa of that group, in the, the guy that good at both ends, 
works hard and, j- and just keeps doing small things. They, there's just a few things every game that he'll do where you're just going to go, wow, that's 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 really something. And you know, he he plays on the line with Matthews, and a lot of times you look at a guy playing with a guy like Austin Matthews and go, okay, well, that's a case of the star player lifting up someone else. Uh, I'm, I'm not convinced that's the case. I think they feed off each other, and I think that you know that's that's one takeaway. You know, Austin Matthews will be every bit as good as you've been promised, mm-hmm. but William Nylander will probably be even better, and and he might be the guy that you come come away kind of shaking your head a little bit, going like, I did not know that guy was that good. Huh. Well, that's cool. Something to keep an eye on. Um, any flyers that you are particularly interested in seeing hit the ice on Saturday? I mean. <laughs> Nolan Patrick is the obvious one, assuming yeah. that he assuming that he does play if he's if he's healthy. Uh, you know, having spent all of last year hearing about him and, and as the presumptive number one pick, and then to have him not only fall to number two, but to fall to a team that made such a big jump because of the lottery, yeah. it's it's kind of a, a unique situation. You have a guy who's that highly regarded who comes into a team that's that's this far along. So I'm I'm interested to see that. Uh, and then the other guy that I'll I'll watch if he's even playing. I, I don't know yet whether whether he'll even be in the game. But Brian Elliott mm-hmm. is like I've been I've been on the Brian Elliott beat for so long now, and it, it just feels like have you ever played poker where you're just you get to a point where you're like, man, I put way too many chips in the pot with not as good a hand <laughs> as I as I thought I had, and like that's kind of where I'm at with Brian Elliott. Like I, for years when he was in St. Louis, I was banging the drum that he was underappreciated and that the organization was was not treating him well and they didn't seem to have confidence in him and they should because you know the numbers all said this and that. And then he went over to Calgary and like I had I had the Brian Elliott bandwagon all ready to go. Like I had a fresh coat of paint, I had everything everything good to go, and and then last year happened and and even when he went to Philadelphia, I was saying okay this you know another fresh start. This this will be it. I, I think he's going to be he's going to be real good. And I obviously so far early in the season it hasn't really been the case. But I'll be I'll be watching and I'll you know if if he does play and I'll be I'll be hoping he has a rough game just because I'll you know I want to see the Leafs win. But uh, <laughs> there's there's a part of me that to this day is still holding out hope that he's going to get back to that that top level and and prove that that I was right and apparently all the all the GMs and coaches and everyone else were wrong. <laughs> well, I certainly hope so because. I'm. I was kind of hoping that we would get kind of another Steve Mason resurrection story out of Brian yeah. Elliott. Um, and so far, I don't think he's been terrible. He's just, you know, he's kind of gives you anxiety watching him play. He's very floppy all over the place. It's like mm-hmm. it's crazy to watch. But if it works, it works. Yeah. Um, okay. So overall, what would overall predictions for the game? What are you thinking we're gonna see? I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll pick the Leafs to win. They've sort of so far had this pattern where they play three really good games and everyone gets excited, and then they have the letdown game, and uh, you know against against the Devils and then against the Senators. So I, if that pattern holds, they they should be good through Saturday, and then uh, and then the, the the bad game will come when they when they go out west. So uh, you know, I'm I'm going to pick the Leafs, um, but I, I mean, I think it'll be. Like like just about every NHL game, it'll be, it'll be more or less a coin flip, and uh, you know a lot of it'll come down to the to the goaltending, and you know especially Frederick Anderson's been kind of mm, we're not yeah. really sure what what he is quite yet. So uh, you know he, he he'll he'll be a big uh, a big piece of the story, and you know we know the Leafs. You know what you're getting with the Leafs in the sense that they're they're young and skilled, and there's going to be a lot of chances at both ends, and uh, you know some nights the Leafs are burying everything. 
and that's the nights that they run up the score and some nights it's not quite there and and that's when sometimes the mistakes at the other end uh, end up uh, end up uh, being the, the bigger story but I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Leafs to win but not not with an overabundance of confidence okay I'm actually uh, picking the Leafs to win too because um, with Andrew McDonald out and some forwards coming in and out of the lineup, Dave Haxtell seems to be uh, doing some shuffling around a bit. Um, we saw it starting last game, and it didn't go very well. Um, so I think he's going to keep shuffling until he finds something that works, and with that comes adjustment periods, and with adjustment periods come sometimes bad games. So I'm thinking the Leafs might take this one. It might be close, but I'm calling it Leafs too. But, um, right yeah. on. It's so, unanimous. Yeah, so we've got uh, Leafs Flyers Saturday night, 7 p.m. It's the Hockey Night in Canada game up there, right? It is. All right, and it's 7 p.m. here on NBC Sports Philly, like always. And uh, thank you so much, Sean, for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Right on. Thanks for the invite. All right, thanks. Go Flyers. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.